Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our year-long study into revival by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. I hope you've had your first week of being able to wear your button. We've had great testimonies about that. On your way out, you can pick up another button. I hope you've given them away. Because remember, if you meet somebody who knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and they have that certainty that they're going to heaven, share that button with them because we want them to have that button as well. Also, there's a little card back there. We ran out of those cards last week. This card is for you to take and use in in, uh, restaurants or wherever. I have it to you. On the back side, it talks about the assurance of salvation in John 3.16 and our church and uh, the number of our church. So I hope that you'll share that. Remember, this is our evangelism emphasis, and we're very simply, the easiest way you can possibly do it is let somebody ask you that question. And we're going to have those testimonies and share more of those testimonies with you, but some exciting things are happening in relationship to that. The other day, somebody told me that they went to uh, Cracker Barrel, and the lady who was checking out, who's not a member of our church, had uh, I Have It button on on her uh, her shirt, and she asked us, are you a member of Parker? No. And somebody from Parker had shared, or she asked about it, and they shared that button with her. So she's out there at Cracker Barrel wearing I Have It button. So I hope you'll wear those button, pick them up. We have the largest right now. Next week, we'll, we should get in some more of the red and blue ones and stuff and variety. But pick those up and share them because we're about the business of sharing Christ to the world. Amen? If you have your Bibles, t- turn to Second Kings, Second Kings chapter 4. This is the year of revival, and we're focusing on revival. I'm preaching on revival. This is the first day of our revival conference. Remember, Brother Fred Wolf was supposed to be here today and tonight, but his wife uh, became sick. Not only did she come sick, she passed away on Friday. So uh, pray for him. Uh, I'm sure he's mourning and grieving, and, and, but the Lord knew uh, before we knew how all that would transpire. So tonight we have Buddy Champion. He's pastor of First Baptist Trustful, friend of mine, and he's going to come and bring God's word. Then each night we have a different one. Byron Pickering tomorrow night, Ben Stubblefield on Tuesday night, and Dr. Jerry Vines on Wednesday night. As you see, we're set up tonight. We're having services, as Julie said, in here and tomorrow night in here, and the choir's going to be over here, and the orchestra's going to be over there, and the praise team's going to be up there. So it's a combined service. You need to get here early to have a good seat, all right? And I want you to bring somebody with you and just expect great things to happen. Well, I didn't know I would be preaching the first sermon of the Revival Conference, but the Lord did. Amen? So I want to share with you from here in 2 Kings chapter 4. We've so far in our journey of revival, we've seen a nation that needed revival. You remember that? That was in Zechariah. We saw in 2 Kings also the fact that there was a city that needed revival. And then we also discovered that there was an army that needed revival. Well, today we're going to focus on there is a family that needed revival. A family that needs revival. A family that needs a fresh touch and a miraculous work of God in their lives. Listen to what it says in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 and following. Now, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor has come to take my two children 
to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few. And you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all the vessels and you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons and they were bringing the vessels to her and she poured. And it came about when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not one vessel more and the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt And you and your sons can live on the rest. Now, leave your Bibles open as we look at this family who needs revival. The first thing we see is the picture of the family. And and I want to ask you to do something for me. I want to ask you that as you begin to read the Word of God, not only today, but but throughout your life, when you read the Word of God, allow yourself to read that with some emotion. Uh, allow yourself to get into that situation, what's happening. Don't, don't just read the words as it's a story to read, but actually feel about what's going on. Do you see the desperate situation of this family? This widow comes, and she is a young widow. In other words, she is going through an agony in her life and a frustration in her life because she is facing an untimely death in her husband's death. That's what it says. She's a widow. But not only is she young enough that she has sons or children that she's taking care of. And, and she's facing this death of her husband. And, and not only that, it was untimely, not in just age, but he didn't have very much care covered, did he? He, he? he left his family in debt and they didn't have a means to pay and they have no way to live That is a desperate situation. If you were in that situation, you would say this, I need a touch from God. I need a hand from God. Not only is it a fact that she was in this desperate situation, but it was also the fact that she might not be a person that you would think could be facing these difficult times. Don't you know that whenever you're a preacher and whenever you're living good and being obedient to God, that your life is going to be as smooth as glass? Didn't you know that? You're never going to have any heartaches, never going to have any difficulty, never have any bump in the road. I mean, it should be that. That's exactly what this family was. You know what she said? Your, my husband was a son of the prophets. In other words, he was a seminary student. <laughs> he was in training to be a prophet. He would go to this place and he would study about being a prophet. He would hook himself and attach himself to another prophet and he would learn from that man of God how to deliver the word of God. He was a young preacher who was studying about how to do ministry. 
And not only was he just a young preacher who was studying to do ministry, it says, and he feared the Lord. In other words, he had a reverence for God and he walked with God and he was trying to do what God wanted to do. So whenever you have submitted your life and and you've committed your life that you're going to serve God and be a man of God and you're trying to be obedient and you're trying to do what God says and walk with God along the way, surely nothing difficult will happen in your life. Oh, yes, it does. And oh, yes, it did. For whatever happened, and we don't know what happened, but whatever happened, he died. He died. And he left his young bride and he left his young children. And there's no one to take care of them. They are in debt. They are no way to have possessions where they can take care of themselves. And so what does she do? What does she do? She does the right thing. She does the right thing. When you find yourself in a desperate situation, the right thing and the best thing is to go get a word from God, okay? She chooses to do the right and the best thing, and that is she wants a word from God. How did she get a word from God in the Old Testament? She got a word from God by going to see the man of God. So she brings herself to the man of God And she tells the man of God, we are in a desperate situation. My husband has died. My children have no means to take care of themselves. We have debt. And the creditor has come to make my children slaves. Well, that's what happened in that day. If a debt couldn't be paid, they would take the children and sell them into slavery. And whatever money they got, they would apply it to the debt. They didn't care about that family unit, but she said, my children are about to be sold into slavery and I don't know what I'm going to do. I've come to tell you, I've come to ask you, I've come to get a word from you. Listen, my friend, that's what everybody needs whenever you are in a point of desperation, when you're a point of need, when you're needing God to show up, you need to go and get a word from God. You need to find a word from God. And so she does the right thing. Will you do the right thing? That sounds like the obvious thing, but but that's not what we do. Most of us try to work out our problems, try to tell everybody else about it, try to figure out what we're doing. What you need to do is go and find a word from God. Go and get a word from God. For see, God is able to do miracles. Here's a little truth you need to write down in your notes if you take notes. There's not one thing you face in your life that a miracle won't solve. Do you know that? No matter what what you face in your life, there's not anything that, that if a miracle happened, it wouldn't solve your problem. Isn't that true? And so she's coming to the God of miracles, to the man of God who represents that God of miracles. And she said, this is the situation that I'm facing. This is where we are. Our family needs revival. Our our family needs a work from God. Our, Our family needs for God to show up. Well, what does the man of God do? He asked her two questions. Look there in your Bible. He asked her two questions. Here's the first question. What do you want me to do for you? What would you have me do for you? I don't know if you remember, but Jesus asked that question a number of times in the gospel. 
People would come up and they'd ask him a question. And Jesus would say, well, what, what do you want me to do for you? What would you have me to do for you? Remember the blind man, Bartimaeus? And he's crying out and Jesus said, what do you have? What would you have me to do for you? That's exactly the same question. That's a question that God will ask through the man of God or through the son of God. It's the question that God will ask you. What do you want me to do for you? What is it that you want me to do for you? If, if Jesus came and sat beside you right where you are today and he asked you, what would you want me to do for you? What is it that you need? What, what would you have me do? Could you bring that to your mind? Could you bring it up? This, this is what I want, God. That's the same thing as what we talked about a few weeks ago. That's digging the ditches, remember? Digging the ditches, finding out where is it we want God to work and what is it we need for God to do? It's the same concept Jesus is saying. God is saying to the man of God, what do you want me to do for you? But before she has an opportunity to answer, he asks the second question. Look at it. Look at it. What do you have in your house. <laughs> what do you have in your house? What do you have of value? What do you possess that God could use, that God could multiply, that God could take in order to meet that? Need? What do you possess? What do you have in your life? Now, it's pretty obvious that she had done like most of us would have done if we faced her situation. What is that? She has already rummaged through her house. <laughs> she doesn't have to say, hold on, man of God, let me go look and see. She doesn't have to ask. She already has rummaged through her house, and she has figured out, I don't have anything that's worth anything except, except a little jar of oil. A little jar of oil. That's all I have that I possess that has any value, just that little jar of of oil. Let me tell you something. Thank God for that jar of oil. Amen. Now, it, it seems to her in her mind that she doesn't have anything, but that's just what it seems like in her mind. See, the reality of it is what she possesses is going to be more than enough. More than enough. Sometimes in your life, you might look around in your and you might seem like you hadn't got much. You're looking in, in where you are and you're rummaging through things, it seems like you don't have much. Let me tell you something. What you do have is sufficient once God blesses it. What you have is sufficient once God blesses it. So what does the man of God say next? Look there in your Bibles when it says, he tells the maid, it says, verse 3, it says, Go borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few. Here's the instruction that the man of God said to him. I want you to go get vessels. It does not matter what, shy, what type, what they look like, what shape they are. All vessels will work so long as they can hold oil. All right? Any vessel will do. The second thing is they have to be empty. The oil is not going to flow where the vessel is filled with something else. It's not going to be a mixture of oil. It has to be empty. And the third instruction is this. Do not get a few. In other words, get a lot. 
Get a lot. Go get an abundance of them. Now, she doesn't know. She does not know why he's telling her that, but this is what he says. Go get a vessel, any vessel that'll hold oil. It has to be an empty vessel. And then you bring not just a few of them. You bring as many as you can find. You bring lots and lots of vessels. That's the instruction. Then he tells her what else to do. And you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all these vessels. You shall set aside what is full. Or take all these vessels, go into the inner room with just you and your boys. And you're to, you're to pour out of this little jar of oil. You're to pour it out into these vessels you've collected and just keep pouring. And whenever you fill a vessel, you set it aside as full and get another vessel and pour the oil in there and set it aside as full. And you just going to, this experience is going to happen not out for everybody else to see, not some spectacle for everybody to behold. It's going to happen in an inner room with you and your sons watching this miracle take place. Wow. Little bitty jar of oil. Going to fill all these vessels we're going to collect. Does that seem impossible to you? Does that seem beyond comprehension to you? It does to me. But thank God for something. Thank God that this woman knew the key to experiencing revival. She knew the key of seeing the hand of God work. You know what the key of that is? We talked about that the last time we were together. The key for revival, the key of seeing God work in a mighty way is obedience. Is obedience. For it says that she goes and collects all those vessels, borrows those from her neighbors, brings them in, goes into the inner room and shuts the door behind her and her son and takes out that little jar of oil and begins to pour that little jar of oil and that oil fills those vessels over and over and over again until it finally comes to the place where she says to her son, bring me another vessel. And he says, there are no vessels more. All of them are filled to the brim and the oil stops. The oil stops right there in that inner room. (laughs) Right there when they saw that miracle take place. But what happens next? The woman comes to see the man of God. And she tells him, all these vessels are filled with oil. All these vessels are filled. And he says to her, then you go do two things. The first thing is you go pay off your debt. You go pay off your debt. You make sure the creditors are paid. Everything is paid in full. You don't owe a thing. All your debt is sufficiently taken care of. Amen for that. Hallelujah, right? But not only that, there will be enough left over after you've paid your debt that it will be enough to take care of you and your children for the rest of your lives. It's not only going to pay off the debt, it's going to take care of all your needs for the rest of Of your life. I'd say that's revival. I'd say that's a miracle. 
I'd say that's God showing up into a family that is in a desperate situation. And, and God does the unbelievable. But, but let me ask you a question. What are, what, are the truths that, what are the truths that we need to take from that that apply to our lives right here and now? What are the truths? This is an analogy and a picture of what God wants to do in us right here and right now. And if, you, if you're going to come to understand this, you're going to have to remember that, that in the Old Testament, all in the Old Testament represented the Holy Spirit of God. Okay, it represented the Holy Spirit of God. That's why whenever the kings or the priests were anointed, they were anointed with what? With oil. And, and, and the oil came and, and dripped over their head and down their beard and across their clothing, they were anointed with the oil. Well, how are we anointed today? We're, we're not anointed with the oil. How are we anointed? We are anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. In 1 John, he says, and when you were anointed, the anointed one came upon you. And when you were anointed by that anointed one, that was the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. So if you want to know how this applies to your life and my life, go back and think about it in terms of that oil representing the Holy Spirit of God. Can I walk you through that for just a minute? Every one of us in our lives may be just like that woman and her family. We're going to face some desperate times. We're going to face some times of need. We're going to face some times when we need God to show up. And there can be a variety of things that can happen that. It can be financial needs. It can be relationship needs. It can be physical needs. It can be 150 different ways that we are going to find ourselves in need and even find ourselves in desperation and wondering, what in the world am I going to do with what I am facing and where I am right now? What am I going to do? Well, let me tell you what we can learn from this woman. The first thing, not the last thing, is get a word from God. Get a word from God. Go and find that word from God. Now, that sounds like the most obvious thing to do, but it's not the most obvious thing to do because many of us, whenever we face desperate times, we run from God instead of running to God. We hide from God instead of getting a word from God. That's what we'll do. And we're going the total opposite direction. Be like this woman. When you face that desperate situation, get a word from God. You need a word from God. And he may ask you the same thing he asked her. What do you want me to do for you? What is it you need for me to do for you? Be ready to answer. And then he may ask you this question. What do you have in your house? What do you have in your life? And do you know that some of us may answer exactly like that woman? Lord, we've looked around and we don't have much. But one thing that we do have, one thing that we're guaranteed that we will never be without if we are a child of God, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. See, we can be just like that woman. We can say, Lord, I've looked around my house. I've looked around my life. I've looked around my family, and I don't find very much. I don't find anything that's going to help me very much. 
But Lord, there's one thing that I do have. I got a little jar of oil. (laughs) I got that little jar of oil, the, the Holy Spirit of God, who is in my heart and in my life, and he is of great value. And he said he would never leave me nor forsake me, and he is there in my life. That's one of the greatest gifts God will ever give you, and one that can never be taken away from you, the Holy Spirit of God. And when you feel like you're bankrupt in every other way, you still got that little jar of oil. And you know what God will say to you, just like the man of God said to that woman, that's all you need. That's all you need. All you need is is the Spirit of God in your life. That's God Almighty in your life. That's Jesus himself in your heart and life. It's the one who made the lame man walk and the blind man see and the deaf man hear. And he caused all kinds of things that... He lives in your heart and your life by the Spirit of God. So thanks be to God for that little jar of oil. But you know what else he may tell you? He may tell you, if you want want to see what you really possess, if you want to really see what you possess, then I want you to go gather up some vessels. <laughs> I want you to gather up vessels, and, and here's the requirement of, of the vessels for the Holy Spirit to use. Uh, the, the first thing is he'll use any vessel, any type. Isn't that great? doesn't have to be a special type of vessel. It doesn't have to be a large vessel, a little vessel. doesn't have to be a pretty vessel or just a common vessel. He'll use any vessel that will hold him. Amen, praise God. I'm glad you didn't have to be the smartest person to get the Holy Spirit. I'm glad you didn't have to be the best looking person to be the, get the Holy Spirit. I'm glad you don't have to be the wealthiest person to get the Holy Spirit. Any vessel will do. Thank God for that. But here is a requirement. It has to be empty. You got to be empty. And do you know one of our most difficult things is to empty out ourselves so he can fill it. You got to empty out your heart of all anger. You got to empty out of hate. You got to empty out of selfish pride. You got to empty out whatever of the love of pleasures, the love of, of man. You got you to empty out anything and everything that would keep the Holy Spirit of God from filling your heart completely and fully. And if you'll get it empty, God will fill it up. But it has to be empty. And here's the other thing. Don't get a few. Get a lot. (laughs) Get a lot. Now, hold on a second. Wait a minute. Listen. You have every bit of the Holy Spirit that you'll ever have. You don't, people pray, well, I want more of the Holy Spirit. You can't get more of the Holy Spirit than you got. Because it's not an it, it's a he. You can't divide out that prayer. He's a he, right? So you've got all the Holy Spirit that you'll ever have, that you'll ever need. But here's the difference. How much of you does the Holy Spirit have the chance to fill? you got all of him that you'll ever have. But how much do you give? How, how many empty vessels do you present? How much do you allow him 
to be what he wants to be and can be and is willing to be to fill your life to overflowing. Don't get a few, get a lot. Don't don't have a, a little bit of allowing the Holy Spirit to fill your life. Let him fill it a lot. Why? Because, see, he, he takes care of every debt you'll ever have. <laughs> he takes care of every debt you ever have. The Holy Spirit takes care of the debt. He sure does. Remember who the Holy Spirit is? It's Jesus. Amen? I think Jesus died on the cross to pay the debt of your sin. He'll take care of every debt you ever have, but not only that, he'll give you everything, everything, everything you need for life. For the rest of your life, he gives you all of what you're going to need. All of what you're going to need. Now, where does this happen? I want you to remember something. Where did it happen? It didn't happen out in public. It happened in an inner room. It happened in an inner room where the one who had the need, the woman and her two sons, they had the need. And whenever they went in there and met with God, the oil flowed. Do you know, do you know where God's going to fill your heart and life? Do you know where he's going to fill that vessel overflowing? In, in your quiet place, in that quiet place, in that place behind the door. He doesn't do it out where it's a spectacle so everybody will behold it. He does it in your heart and in your life as you meet with him intimately and personally. You got to meet with him intimately and personally. You got to spend time in that in a room. You have to. I'm going to tell you, amazing things will happen in that inner room if you'll meet with God. He'll tell you things and show you things and he will be all sufficient in all things in your life if you will meet with God. But if you don't have that time with him and you don't allow him to fill you and the Holy Spirit to be all that he wants to be and needs to be in your life, you're not going to be able to come out of there and, and to be a testimony of God's miraculous power. See, nobody saw what was happening in that room, but do you know what? They all had the evidence of what had happened in that room because they came out of there with a bunch of oil, didn't they? Nobody saw what happened, but, but everybody could see the evidence of what happened because the debt was paid. They could see the evidence of what happened because they cashed it in to have enough resources to live the rest of their life. They could all see what had happened. They didn't know where it happened or how it happened, but they could know that it did happen. And do you know when the world's going to take notice of the family of God? Do you know when the world's going to take notice of the children of God that there's something unique and different about their life? Whenever we've met with God, closed our door and opened our heart and emptied our life and said, dear God, let that all flow. Let the Holy Spirit of God flow in my heart and in my life. That's when the world will take note. Family needing revival. A family needing a touch from God. How? Come to God. Be obedient to what he says to do. 
Remember that? You got to be obedient to what he says to do. Get in that upper, in that inner room and allow him to let the oil flow. And then you'll be able to bear witness that he, he has all that you will ever need. Sometimes I think we're just like that, that woman. When we see the Holy Spirit in our life, we see and say, well, all I've got's just a little jar of oil. I have a feeling that once she had the experience she had, she no longer said it was just a jar of oil. I don't think she said just anymore to you. Because what an unbelievable miracle happened is that oil continued to flow into those vessels. It'll happen in your life, my life, if we long for it, if we desire for it. If we would say, Lord, this is what I want you to do right here, right now. This is what I need, and I want you to let the oil flow in my heart, my life. Let the Holy Spirit of God do what he can do and he alone can do in my life. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.